people just want to feel valued and it doesn't matter what level you're at. They just want to feel valued. And it's just a lot of little things that I have found to be more effective than one big ginormous thing. My name is Steven Smith, and this is the Three Pi Squared AVA Business Leaders Podcast. On this podcast, we discuss the business of ABA and how to create an ethical and sustainable ABA practice. For more information on our ABA Business Leaders membership or any of the other services and products we provide, you can check us out at www.3pisquared.com. On this episode, our panel is back and we're discussing staff retention, especially around RBTs. We go into detail on, you know, some of the costs involved in losing RBTs and the expense around that, and it can get very expensive. And then we talk about how we can improve retention and some of the ways these experienced ABA business owners have um, improved staff retention over the years. So this is a really good discussion if you're, you know, having issues with staff retention, especially RBTs, so definitely worth the listen. Hope you enjoy. Hi everyone that's listening. I'm Kim Rosa, the Director of Standards and Ethics at 3Pi Square. Today we have our panelists and we are going to be discussing staff satisfaction and turnover within ABA companies. So we know turnover is a big issue in our field. We have a calculator that we actually use to help companies try to determine the cost of turnover. Even research has shown that there's 30% on the low end of turnover for RBTs and 75% on the high end. So this is a big concern in our field and it's very costly for ABA agencies. So it's that loss of the client hours, it's all the training costs, the cost of hiring and training new staff. So all this adds up and it becomes very expensive. So we're just going to be talking about ways that we monitor staff satisfaction and burnout in our own companies. Um, maybe you have good methods that you utilize that you'd want to share and the ways that you're being proactive and manipulating antecedents in your own companies so that you could prevent burnout or reduce burnout in your staff. So we'll just go through the panelists, do a brief introduction, and then we'll just get started in discussion. I'm Robin Stone. And um, our organization is Innovative Behavior Options, and we are a hybrid program. We offer in-home services as well as um, clinic-based services. I am Derek Tony. Uh, I run a small uh, ABA clinic outside of Tacoma, Washington, uh, called The Dozen. And uh, yeah, we're very small. We have about 15, well, we'll fluctuate between 15 to 20 clients, but about six employees total. Um, so it's a small, kind of more personal uh, type of relationship that we have between uh, me, the therapist, and uh, of course, the clients. Um, my name is Jennifer Helton. I own Unique Pathways, and we do both home and center-based ABA here in Texas. I'm Mallory Singer. I have a small practice uh, based out of Puyallup, Washington, and we only do in-home um, services. Did you want to talk, Stephen? Yeah, well, everyone should know me that listens to this, but uh, <laughs> owner of 3Pi Squared and then part owner of a small ABA practice in Northern Virginia. Uh, we have about 15 employees and uh, we do mostly in-home, but we do have some in-clinic slash office 
Okay. Uh, I'm going to go ahead, uh, Kim, and share my screen, and yeah. we'll just go through that calculator if you want. And um, yeah. uh, just to give an idea of what calculations that I have done in the past. So, you know, as you said, Kim, we have this calculator that we have on our website. Uh, this is specifically for RBTs. So how many billable hours have you lost uh, because of that? I, I think 120 sounds about right. Uh, but it depends, right? So how quickly you can hire staff and, and bring them on and train them. You have to get them in the system, right? Before you can start billing with them. So I don't know how long that takes. You guys have any, any idea on lost billable hours? Do you think that's right? Or do you think it should be less or more? I guess, could you give a little bit more details as when you say hours lost, you mean like if an RBT were to leave, uh, what is that pulling from? Yeah, so correct. So let's say RBT gives you uh, one or two week notice, hopefully. At that point, you're like, okay, scrambling for another uh, tech. And so it's from the point where the RBT leaves your company until you can replace them and get them in place. You know what I mean? Get a new tech in place. So do we have, like, in your experience, do we have any sense on how many lost hours that that could potentially be? If it's afternoon slots, it can be even more than that because we have waiting lists for afternoons right now. But if it was a morning slot, we might be able to fill it in a week or two. If it's a current staff member that has an opening sure. um, or if it's a newer hire, we could probably put someone there in the next three weeks or so, maybe four. But if it's afternoon hours, it's harder to fill those in general just because of the timing of it. So it can take longer than that sometimes, unfortunately. <laughs> How about two months? So, and I would say that the RBTs that work with me are about 120 hours a month average. So for me, it'd be about 240, but we're almost exclusively TRICARE. So that makes everything very slow. Yes. I think for me, the hours would probably be quite a bit less just because I have two gals who are becoming BCBAs and they're doing support that's not billable they're going in and supporting RBTs, but I'm not billing for them. And so when we had people who haven't given us two weeks or even people who have given us two weeks, I have been able to transition them onto those cases. Um, and then they train, they help train when we bring on the new tech and then they just transition back off to supervision. So technically I think they would be considered more of like floaters a little mm -hmm. bit, but so I think like the last time I did like a calculation, it was like a whole week, right? Like, if we had one kiddo who was getting, you know, three hours or so, four days a week, between 15, maybe 25 on the highest. Um, and that would just be like transition wise, right? Like, okay, we're kind of in this transition, this person quit, let's kind of figure out what's going on. And then I was able to get them started. I think ours would be a little lower too, because it seems like the people that have moved on have, have all been part-time to begin with, like less than 20 hours a week. And so it's just interesting. Some of our timing has just been perfect where the family was graduating anyway. I don't know. We've been very lucky with some of that, but I think ours would be less with that because the other thing with the part-time that has that, that have maybe left that have less than 20 hours, usually the BCBAs or like, um, Mallory was saying we have a couple BCBA trainees that we're working with right now. They're going through our supervision program that jump in. So ours would be a little less than that. I think ours are probably a little bit more right now because we we are struggling at this moment, completely honest. Like we had one tech that became a BCBA and moved into a different role. And then we had three of our probably best techs leave the state and one 
area or another. So we're really, we've lost a few really good techs and trying to bring on new techs right now has been quite difficult. But even if let's say, you know, we go with a hundred and of course this is just a test, right? And then your average billable hourly rate, maybe 55, we're not going to get into contracts or anything like that at this moment. You can check out your TRICARE uh, public rates. How many hours do you think it takes for you all to train a member like BCBA hours that you could have otherwise been, you know, parent training, assessing, you know, uh, treatment planning, you know, things like that? I think for me, 10 is probably fair simply because if you're, you're putting all of that in there, like you're saying, the interviewing the training side, the meeting with the techs, you know, to make sure that they're understanding everything. Yeah, I think 10 is a fair average. I have kind of a different setup. So I would say 40, just because of the the type of, of services that we provide to hire. If I lost a BCBA, like how long would it take for me to, to get them up back to where the previous BCBA was? Oh, sorry. No, this, this is like uh, a training and a tech as, as when you bring them on. Okay. Uh, yeah, I would say, yeah, around 15 or 20 or so. That's I think 10 is fair to say for me, because I do have the two gals who are becoming um, BCAs and one of them is like at the very end of her program. And so she has done quite a bit of training for me with like overlaps um, on specific cases. Yeah. I, I mean, I think on average 10 would probably be good for me. Because I think some of the ones that are coming in that are like, I call them like greenhorns, you know, like they just, and maybe they need a little bit more support because maybe they're a little younger Then I might do a little bit more. So like where I would do, you know, two weeks full overlap for their clients, I might do three weeks overlap. It just depends on how I feel like, and if the client is more difficult, then I'll give them the extra time. But I think 10 hours of the actual BCBA, because I have the other gals who also support me. Yeah, ours, we normally do the training over like a two to three day period. So it would be like they would meet with the BCBA and then the admin staff on different things. But our BCBA would probably spend, depends on the the needs of the therapist. Like we will do like a competency to kind of determine like where their gaps in learning are and then specify their training based on that. So if they are a really established RBT and they don't need as much help with the technical side of things and they pass all the competencies related to what we would need them to be able to do then we might cut down on that part of the training and then increase their training on other areas like our practice management systems or our data collection if that stuff was newer to them. And then maybe like schedule some, you know, one-on-one supervision with them with some clients and go over programming and stuff. But for us, it could be anywhere from like maybe 10 to 15 hours and sometimes even eight. It just depends. And then we go into training costs, right? So I feel like I might be lowballing this, but I'm not sure, right? It depends on the RBT course, obviously. It depends on the CPR first aid course and the crisis management course that you're taking. But, you know, are we paying for all of this, right? And how much are you paying your tax? And we won't get into how much you're paying your tax, but let's just use this for the sake of trying it out. And then, you know, we say we're going to train them for 80 hours, which is typically what we do, right? Especially if they don't have their 40 hours of training. So we'll do the 40 hours and then we spend another week, you know, where they're learning our systems and meeting with our BCBAs to go over their cases and things like that. But does that feel right to everyone? Yeah, I think that's that's a good standard numbers. 
And then, of course, this could vary as well, but are there is there any admin involved, right? And how much are you paying them? And then are there any other checks like background checks, right? Payroll, setting up, education verifications, things like this. It, it, when you add it all together, it says it's going to cost you eight grand if you lose one tech. So this can get crazy, right? Especially if it's true. And I don't know if it's true, but if it's 30% turnover rate, that's insane. So this can get pretty pricey. Does that take into account longevity of a tech? So like if you had a tech for like two years, would you take out how much you recouped in that two years of that amount? Or is that is that like, what's the longevity on this? Yeah, no, this is just like the cost of bringing on another tech. So it's not the profitability uh, that or the revenue stream of the previous tech. It's just... This is what it costs when I lose a tech and bring another one on. So if you truly have a 75% turnover rate and you have 10 techs, uh, you know, that's seven in a year. Uh, that's insane. So just losing one seems very difficult. So, and I say all of this and we're going through all of these calculations just to say, how can we avoid this, right? Because it seems like giving somebody a dollar an hour raise or whatever it may be, it seems to be a better value of spending your revenue. So, you know, what can we put in place to help our staff feel supported, feel like this is a, a great work environment and they don't want to leave after three to six months, right? So we, uh, Kim, you went over that article, but low estimates are 30% on turnover rate. So how can we avoid that is the question. So how do you monitor staff satisfaction in your agencies? Do you have a way that you check in with your staff? Is it built into your systems? Maybe you do monthly evaluations and then you have meetings where you kind of have some back and forth dialogue and you get to check in. So I'm curious about what systems you have now in place to determine if your staff are satisfied, if they're feeling burned out, they need more support. Um, one of the things that I did, and I, I got it off of Facebook. I don't even remember who who said it, but they started talking about the chief heart officer position. That is it, Gary. He's really popular on social media, but he has a gal like at his company that that's all she does. That is her title as chief heart officer. So I just created this like little mini role, and I um, had a certain tech in mind that I compensated for and asked her if she would consider taking this role on. And so she meets with half of our staff every month and they are just like 15 to 30 minute um, meetings. And they can certainly talk about work, but they also can talk about anything under the sun. And it doesn't come back to me. It's confidential. They know it was just another way for me to be like, hey, look, we're all in this together. We don't have a clinic, so we don't see each other regularly, but we're all working towards you know common goals. And I want to make sure you're okay as a person. And those meetings have been extremely beneficial. I think that for some of my more seasoned techs, they might seem a little bit of like a waste of time to them, but I've talked to them about that. So they're like, yeah, that's fine. 20 minutes. I can, you know, certainly be like, yeah, I've been having really difficult sessions with so-and-so, but you know, here, this is what I'm doing. And then also part of her responsibility is that we just do monthly kudos and it's just like a general, like, Hey, we care about you, whether it's like a candle or a little like car freshener, it's just like something silly, like a star, you know, Starbucks card. And then on top of that, I do specific things myself where it's like, I'll send everybody, like everybody gets Starbucks, you know, here, here's the code you guys, you know, get Starbucks. And when the $50 on the card is gone, it's gone. And I know that that has helped. I've had a lot of feedback from my staff that like, it's great. They have tried to implement the last little portion that I had wanted to was to have like a 
heart hour where they meet, but we started during COVID and they couldn't do it physically, you know, so they haven't really gotten that up and running, but they're in the process and they're already talking and we have a Facebook just for our techs. I know that that's helped just kind of create a, a different culture than what I had before, which everybody was really great before, but I just want to make sure that they know we care about them other than just coming to work on time and being there, you know, like. Uh, one of the things that I've done to kind of measure their, you know, job satisfaction, just their morale. Uh, I've done a couple of like quarterly anonymous satisfaction type questionnaires that they can fill out. It got a little difficult to continue coming up with different questions to kind of touch different areas of where they would be satisfied. So, you know, satisfaction with their pay, with their clients, their workload, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, but what I do now, and I've been doing this for a really long time, is uh, just every month I have a, an individual meeting with every uh, employee that I have, and it always starts off with, what can I do better as Derek? Like, lay it on me as harsh as you can, and then I'll give you a little, a little bit of feedback if I have it, and then we can discuss clients or other issues that they might have. A lot of times those meetings end up turning into just personal discussions, you know, them talking about their lives and their stressors lately and work. So I, I started the past few months having separate clinical meetings to where you save the client stuff for those. And those individual meetings have kind of morphed into just that one-on-one -on -one undivided guarantee time where I can talk with them about anything they want to talk about, whether it's other people that they work with, issues they've had with parents or clients, um, things going on in their life that have made work harder. And I kind of keep tabs on that. So throughout the month between those meetings, anything I see, I kind of make a note of in their own little file. And then I go through that. I mean, I don't show it to them, but I go, those are my talking points in those meetings to be like, hey, it looked like this was a little rough for you a couple of weeks ago. Let's go through that. And I want to make sure that you feel good on if that happens again. It keeps it really personal. Unfortunately, we have the ability to do that, especially now that we're in a clinic. And I know that that has let people feel very kind of personally supported. And I get to hear their concerns and I'm not defensive or critical whenever they discuss it. I make sure that I take it for all that they're trying to say from their perspective and that they feel heard. Well, I tend to be more informal. We don't have a set program we're using right now. We've looked at different options, but we haven't put together something official. We get feedback from various BCBAs about the text and how things are going and how clients are doing and how sessions are going. And if someone had like a really particularly bad day or a tough interaction with a parent or a really difficult behavior issue they had to struggle with that day with a client, like we might reach out individually to them and see how they're doing, see how they're feeling. I think an individualized specific program would be a great idea. We've been looking at that, but it's not something we've implemented yet. You know, we try and make them feel heard and help them feel supported in general and let them vent um, when needed to. It's sometimes hard for people to vent to me as the owner. So they might vent to someone else and then that person relays the vending to me, but I, I do a lot of putting out of fires in general with my role. So, but I know some days are harder. Like yesterday was actually two days ago was probably the one of the worst days I've had in a while. So, I mean, it just depends, but you know, sometimes different interactions are tough and sometimes you can handle it and sometimes you can't. And sometimes you need to reach out and follow up with someone and say, Hey, yesterday was really hard. You know, how are you doing today? We, to Mallory's point, um, we call her the mm -hmm. ambassador of fun. And so her job is at the beginning of each month, we sit down and we lay out the month and she has a separate account with a card that this is your budget for each quarter. I don't care what you do because I don't have to worry about it coming out of the main account. And so she knows what her budget is. We make sure that we watch anniversary dates of our staff, birthdays. Another thing that the staff really seems to like is if we're doing social media, 
having them a part of it, just bringing in that whole team feeling instead of it being like, here's Jenny here, she's the owner, she's going to do everything or this person or here's our BCBAs, here's our clinical directors. And it bringing it into the RBTs as well, that it's not just about upper level, it's all about us together as a team. And so that's one of her jobs as the ambassador of fun. And then I like to have fun. So I like to do it's amazing how just like doing little pranks on people is fun you know, because you're, you know, we have little friendly office bets about something, you know, we at the end, the middle of the summer, it's so flipping hot in Texas. I, I did a ice cream truck for the whole staff and the kids. And I didn't tell any of the staff and I let the parents know ahead of time in case of allergies, but they all came outside to an ice cream truck. And just like once a month, we try to do something or maybe I'll do it myself. Just like surprise everybody. People just want to feel valued and it doesn't matter what level you're at. They just want to feel valued. And it's just a lot of little things that I have found to be more effective than one big ginormous thing. The other thing that we really, really emphasize and work a lot on and just really talk to our staff about is our open door policy, like really making sure they understand that we truly believe that and adhere to it. It's you come in, it doesn't go past these four walls. This is what it is. So like to your point about feeling heard, just feeling heard. And I'm going to be honest, I'm still working on the, please give me the feedback of what I can do better. (laughs) I'll listen to it. but My heart gets a little fragile sometime. And like you say, some days you can handle it. Some days you're like, this was not the day. But like, to me, I guess it's just a whole bunch of little things that add up. And, but having an ambassador of fun, that has made a huge difference in our culture because then the other thing is, is she does weekly updates and she posts them around the office and she'll have to know that they're reading them. She'll have a surprise, like come, come talk to me if you've read this. And so she knows that people are reading them. And so like, then she'll go buy them a, a sonic drink, you know, for happy hour, or there's a, there's a, a Starbucks card or, you know, something like that. So you could have a completely dedicated person to do it. That's for sure. <laughs> so it's good to have the help. Yeah, along the same line. Uh, and again, it's just since we've been in the clinic, it, well, at the start of the year, so eight months or so, but I did hire uh, an office manager and she's kind of that, that role that, you, that you're describing. So we have like a Walmart account and every week, I think that she has like up to 80 bucks or a hundred bucks, something like that where she goes and gets food for whatever people want in the center. Uh, she goes and gets, you know, so one person really likes Red Bulls and, you know, the Cosmic Brownies, Little Debbie ones. Uh, some people are gluten-free, so we get them the kettle chips or whatever they ask for. And so all of them have their own kind of groceries that they can write out their own grocery list every single week. Honestly, at the end of the week, I think that on average, we spend about 60 bucks doing that. That makes it feel very personalized. The workplace is super personalized for them. Um, I also buy them food that they could just eat there. Like, you know, so sandwich meat and simple stuff like that. Cup of noodles, that stuff. It is like $10 for a box this big of all that stuff. And it just makes them feel like it's cool, you know, and it, it is cool. That is a very simple thing that I've done that has had a pretty, uh, I think, massive effect on people. And we'll buy different things. Like we know that this person likes these things. And so we, they just came out with a new flavor in that. So, you know, like Oreos or something. So we get those and I'll put the person's name on it, you know, knock yourself out. Um, so the office manager has taken some of that role that you're describing of personalizing it and kind of being that kind of cheerleader in a sense, uh, just for anybody's day, just naturally she kind of fell into it because of her personality. 
Do you do any preference assessments with your staff? Um, I know when we hire staff, we give them a sheet and we get an idea of what's reinforcing <laughs> them. So I'd like to know, do you guys, do you use any preference assessments? And when that's part of their intake paperwork, when they come on board with me, they have to, we call it getting to know you. Mm-hmm. And we have a whole bunch of different questions. Some of it is like based on a preference assessment. There's some of it is just me getting to know them a little bit better so that I know if I want to surprise them, that it's something that they would enjoy. Like what would be your perfect day? And if it's something that like one of my texts, he's hilarious. He's like, I win the lottery. I come to the office and say, see ya. And I go retire on a beach. Well, obviously that's not going to happen that I can provide. But what I did give him one year is some lottery tickets, you know, scratch offs. You know, so little things like that, that kind of give me some insight that could be kind of just a personal surprise. And then there's the other things like you're talking about the preference assessments, like what's your kind of what kind of gift cards do you like? What kind of desserts? What kind of drink? You know, things like that. So that is something they turn in and then I turn that over to that goes in their file and then I turn it over to our ambassador of fun. We have a um, Google spreadsheet that actually all the texts are available, like they have access. And then the chief heart officer, she posts questions on there on each one of their profiles. Um, and it's like, yeah, what scent do you enjoy if she wanted to do candles or like, yeah, your favorite drink. And I've actually also had other texts like go on there and be like, okay, I'm going to Starbucks before I'm doing an overlap with a new tech even. I've had that. And they're like, hey, you know, I'm going to grab them a Starbucks before they go to session. So it does help. Um, It's not necessarily a true preference assessment, but then I've also kept note on the things that we have done. So like gas cards are like number one (laughs) for all of my texts, which is funny because I pay for all the travel, right? Like I pay them for travel time, but um, so, but we do, we do keep, yeah, kind of a running log of their preferences and what they like and what they dislike. I don't have like a formal preference assessment necessarily Uh, in terms of the food and stuff that I was talking about. I always just like keep a tab on what is still remaining at the end of the week and to be like, Hey, they didn't like the Cheetos very much because we still got all of them. So no Cheetos, Um, switch it out. Let's see how they like Funyuns. And I (laughs) have this little table in the break room, you know, that just like always has that week's kind of MSWO kind of thing set up. And I just kind of keep tabs on like, okay, here are like little Debbie things. Here are chips. Here are candy things. That's really more of a financial thing. I don't want to be buying stuff that they don't eat, but I guess it also kind of works for preference assessment in that sense. Have you guys heard of the Bonusly app? Yes, Yes, I have heard of it. I looked into it a little bit, but I felt like it was one more thing that I kind of had to take on and I wasn't really, (laughs) I just wasn't um, ready to do that because I already do bonuses. Like I do Christmas in July. Like I have done them around school time for some of my moms who I know are single moms. I mean, everybody gets a bonus, but the mom specifically right before school starts. So the idea with the bonus Lee, yeah, it didn't really work for me, but just cause I felt like a little overwhelmed, but I've heard it's amazing. I've looked at that one. And the one other one, I think it was called like Esley. I can't, I think maybe something like that. Um, so I've done demos with them and they, they call me probably weekly. I just haven't been able to assign. So I feel like I need to hire someone for the task. So that's what I, I would like to do one of either one or something like it. Um, but again, I don't have the time to do it. And um, our other admin staff are feeling like they don't have the time either. So I'm working on that. <laughs> There's an app that I, I didn't get to do it. It's called Blueboard, and it's similar to that, but it's like they get an experience. Like they can go skydiving or they can go a couple's massage after so many, you know, like I thought it was kind of interesting because 
it's more of an experience that they can do. Bonusly really took off in our clinic. And it's like a good, it's a shout out app. So they get that reinforcement from team members and then they get the points that they could cash in. Cause we tried the fishbowl where everyone could put their shout outs in the fishbowl and it was always empty. So once we got the app, it, it really impacted our culture in a positive way. It worked really well in the clinic. I don't know how it works in home where you're more separated from your team. Maybe it's better to have that in that environment. But it was one of our techs introduced it to us and it, it was fantastic. One of the things like that that I've, I've tried to do like around Christmas, what's that mystery Santa Claus? What is that white a white elephant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I go out and I, I have like a 40 buck limit or something for each person. And I buy them something that is totally just for them. And then I bring them all and I wrap them and everything. And then I open them up in front of the group and they have to guess who it's for. And they have to tell why they think it's for that person, which is super fun, you know, then I give it to the right person and then they can swap what they want. But, you know, so I, for me, I think it was like maybe 300 bucks total, but it was like an hour and a half event because people would start talking and remembering things. And that was a nice little switch up on the secret elephant uh, thing. I will never remember what that's called, but we'll, we'll go with secret elephant for now. I really like that idea. One of the things that I know that has kept longevity with several of my techs. And they've told me this is that when they've called out sick, I've, I've covered for them. Mm-hmm. Like one of them, she said, like, as soon as you got, I got your text that said like, Oh, it's okay. Like I'll, it's fine. I'll rearrange my schedule and I'll go in and cover for you that day. She's like, I was in tears because I've never had anyone really like just be so willing. So that has definitely helped a lot with longevity with a lot of my employees. You know what we did this summer? Um, we ended all of our Fridays at 3.30. And I'm really thinking about keeping it in the fall because who doesn't want a two and a half day weekend? Yeah. And they're still getting all their hours because we're working our butts off from Monday through Thursday. And then it's like, oh, and I even had one of my team members came up and said, you know, I thought I was like, man, this is a hard day. But then I remembered, oh, I get off at three on Friday. That by far has probably been one of the best things that we've done. I'd say that the two biggest things that I've I've done that has helped with retention. uh, The first thing is uh, everyone's birthday is a paid holiday off. So that is a super simple thing that I've done. I cannot believe how effective that is. Uh, It's a huge deal to everyone. And it's really not that big of a deal. And also, I don't like let them work. You know, I've got some people who just, they like working as much as they can. They're super hard workers. Uh, so that one was really big. The other thing that I did was when I was creating the, the clinic and kind of uh, working with contractors and stuff to, to build it and stuff, was I wanted everyone to have their own individual office uh, to provide services. So I know it's, it's ridiculous and really expensive, but each RBT has their own office. To give them something tangible that they own in that sense has made a huge impact. And I know that that's not feasible for most places. Uh, it's just the way that I structured everything out. But that it's really hard to leave something when you have an office with your name on it. You know what I mean? That almost guarantees you're really not going to go anywhere unless you have to. So I know it, it's a little ridiculous, but it is super effective. For them. I don't think that's ridiculous at all, Derek. Like I've never, 
I've never thought of that. Like at one of the clinics that I worked at, we had like a room, but it shared like an older client and staff with a younger client and staff. Right. So like there was a big table and there was a little table. And like, I think we all kind of like knew kind of what room was ours and it didn't have any label on it. But I think if they had went one step further and it's like you two techs share this room, like this is your guys's room, you guys design it. I totally, I totally think that's definitely something I'm going to write down in my like bank. And since we're running out of time, our final question, um, how do you identify burnout in your staff? Do they usually tell you in these checking meetings or is it mostly in their behavior that you notice it? Um, so what do you see and what do you do about it when you notice it in your staff? My clinical director does a really good job of checking in with them a lot when it comes to that aspect, but behaviorally, it's pretty obvious when they're canceling. And that's out of camp, that's out of character for them. Or you can just see their whole continents change when they go with a particular client that they're just, I don't usually see it burnout as far as like their hours. I see it per client. So if they're, and then we start looking at their schedule going, oh man, we didn't realize that they're on this client that much. And you can see it in the client too. I mean, you can tell the client is burned out with that person as well, just because when you start comparing data and everything, you're seeing all sorts of stuff. And then then it turns into, hey, let, let's talk what's going on. I have one more question. I, I'm just curious about the t- Robin and, and Jen, you both have clinic and in-home, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you find that there's a, a larger turnover in home versus clinic or do, or do you see any kind of difference between those two? Because I've often assumed, right, oh, you guys have a better turnover rate because you're all clinic and it's easier in the clinic. But I, that's an assumption that I've, I've certainly made. I'm curious. When I was doing 100% in-home, I had more staff burnout, not turnover right. in the driving. But yeah. when we moved to a center and we still do the in-home, we just shrunk our mile radius down. I don't have as much burnout from that. But I will say that what I do think is that the center provides that in-home doesn't is the camaraderie. Mm-hmm. I think in general, they oftentimes will try and request or prefer the center-based option. Um, I think just because there's less distractions, you don't have to deal with, you know, parents or environmental, you know, things going on in the home. If I could just say one thing uh, back to Stephen's point and tying in what you said, Mallory, there are many things about in-home that uh, are very difficult when we went to the center, uh, I saw about a 35% reduction in provider cancellations. Uh, they are much less likely to cancel when there is accountability and it's face-to-face and there are people that know that they're calling out. And then I also saw about 40% reduction in client cancellations, which is surprising, right? Because we think that being in home is more convenient for families. Everyone's going to want that. But actually, they see how effective, much more effective it is to have someone and it also gets them in a routine that kind of maps onto their family's uh, already existing schedule. Um, and so I've seen a huge reduction in cancellations. In terms of employees, we were down two employees uh, as of March of this year because two of them moved last year. And then we, over like the six month period, we lost about 30% of our clients because of that transition, people not wanting to move to the center. However, March was our highest grossing month ever. The lowest clients, the least employees ever, we, we pulled in the most because of the cancellations and stuff like that. I think last time after, I don't know what happened with my families, but after COVID, it was like, we all want the center. And I, and like, I think I mentioned that last time I was like, I think they're all tired of looking at their four walls. Like just, we want the kids out. Like they're, they're killing us. 
So, but then we have some parents who still aren't in the home, but those are typically young kids, like two and three, which makes sense. They should be in the home. Well, and family dynamics when they have multiple children and then they're having to like cart someone, you know, here, then drop off. It's like, you know, parents don't necessarily get a break if they're having to like do that. Um, yeah, I mean, cause I, I think, yeah, it would be really interesting to me if, if I switched from just in home to clinic, like you did Derek and see too, because I, I honestly feel like our accountability is with the parents. They don't in general, like most of our clients adults. prefer the in-home option when they have the option. Most of our client referrals prefer for us to come in home, which has actually been a surprise to me. I like staffing our center and building up our center. It took a lot longer than it took to build the in-home services. Um, I've been surprised at how much longer it took us to fill the center because we're in a, a good area, like in the Atlanta surrounding area. Most parents, like when we're trying to do our intakes and trying to staff their cases and stuff, they nine times out of 10, they're preferring for us to come in their homes because it's easier for their family dynamic. You know, a bunch of kids or, you know, they do homeschool and they just want their kid out of the house. Mallory, that's something that we did early on, like, I don't know, probably five years ago. Have a sat right. Like you get this many hours. It doesn't matter to us. And that really has helped uh, our retention rate greatly. Just knowing I, I have a bank of hours, like, so we guarantee 20 hours salary base. And if the kiddo is out for whatever reason, vacation, sick, they come to the office, you know, our BCBAs always need something done. So they, they come in, maybe receive training and that that really has helped. Um, that's something that we, to this day, still hear. I, I, I've never heard of this. Like, I had no idea that you could do this, right? So that's been, and then food. Yes, we have it at the office, right? Take it. Uh, yeah, so th those two things. And then uh, my wife started this. Uh, I, I don't know the term, but I think it's called Cheer Buddy. And so they, they get together with another person and they just send each other texts and say, you're awesome, you're amazing, you're doing such a great job. And it just... Because we are mostly in home, that has been very helpful just as a team, right? Feel like everyone belongs. So, um, and then we've been moving towards mindfulness and uh, burnout awareness, allowing for mental health days, things like this, and, and praising that as like, thank you for recognizing that. This is not something to be shamed about. You're doing yourself a service. You're doing your clients a service by taking a day off. As far as the team reports, those are very helpful things that we've been able to do, so. We did have that for a period of time, for a while we were offering, like where we would guarantee like 20, 25 hours a week for the techs. But then with like COVID, we had like a big decrease in services. It got really financially difficult to maintain that. So it's not, we're not necessarily offering that to new hires across the board or anything just because of the financial magnitude of how it impacted us in the past. But, but hopefully we can get back to that point when things get more stable. We have a policy that if the, we have to cancel a session in under 24 hours, that they have the option to come in. And, you mm -hmm. know, like you said, there's always stuff to do, right? <laughs> and they can come in and work and get paid, or they can take the day off unpaid. It's up to them. And um, you'd be surprised how many of them are willing to take it unpaid. It's kind of wow. funny, but I'm with you on that, Steve. And I think that that helps because then they know that they have, they know that, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with, if I don't have my three hours or two hours on this check? And they're really um, worried about it. In our clinic, we also had a guarantee of a certain amount of hours because we were a clinic. It was ideal to have extra people on hand and have floaters around, but we kind of use an apprentice model where we'd have the RBTs be like a programmer for a particular client. 
So they'd be assigned maybe two RBTs to one client and they get about three to five hours a week of programming time. So if there was any client cancellations or they were under hours, they would still get their hours in. It wouldn't be client time, it's not billable, but it would be hours where they'd kind of go through the program of the client and alert the BCBA to, and we would train them on how to do this. And if there was anything they could alert the BCBA on, they could train other staff on this particular client. And it also prevented those instances where certain RBTs were telling RBT, another RBT, oh, you shouldn't do that and kind of directing them in a way where it's more of like the BCBA should be doing that. So we had to set boundaries with certain staff. So this helped because if you were that child's programmer, you could give input to other staff about how to run programs because you're supposed to be the expert on that client. So it really gave them more ownership over clients. It was helpful because a lot of them were in programs going for their BCBA certification. So it was helpful for getting those hours in for their field work. Um, and we had little turnover in the clinic and this really helped with that, just having less burnout because they had more of that time where they're working on programming materials. And it was also helpful for us because it freed up the BCBA time because they weren't doing all these tasks. They had assistance, they were able to assign them tasks that the BCBA didn't necessarily have to do on their own. So the BCBA would assign the programmer the tasks and then the programmer, whenever it came up in their schedule for indirect time would go and complete those activities. So it kind of made a smooth process for everyone. But maybe we should wrap up here. So thank you guys for staying on for so long. This is always a great group. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you would like to watch the video of this podcast, which goes on for about an hour and a half, or get the CEs, you can go to our website and join the ABA Business Leaders membership. There's also a lot of really cool tools in there for increasing staff retention. So uh, we have a burnout awareness policy, continuing conversations uh, policy, and just some good practices on hiring and onboarding, keeping your staff happy and yeah, you might want to check that out in our ABA Business Leaders membership. Again, that is at www.3pisquare.com. Thank you. Again, this is Stephen Smith with 3Pi Squared. If you would like to learn more about 3Pi Squared and the services that we offer, you can check us out at our website, www.3pisquared.com. You'll also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thanks. Thank you.